become the monster podcast you were intended to be. Yes. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Ribbon of Memes episode 50 something. 50! There we go, 50! Not, not really evening. thinking about Jubilees at all when we're recording this. <laughs> well, that would be a 70. Anyway, we're not there yet, um, but we don't have mobility issues just at the moment. Um, I am Nick, and I am, well, I'm joined as ever by Roger, and I've, I've got Hello. a question for you, Roger. When was the last time you remember doing anything in the day? Well, you know, define memory. <laughs> but we we are, of course, talking about the uh, 1950B uh, picture, which was Charlton Heston's film debut, Dark City. <laughs> uh, we may have been uh, watching the wrong films here. Yeah, it could never happen. Who'd reuse a title like that? <laughs> it's it's uh, it's certainly very specific and evocative. We are, in fact, that, that slightly reality bending twist was possibly an homage to the reality bending 1998 Dark City by Alex Proyas 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 mm-hmm. Proyas. Um, and it uh, we are in the realm of well, I was going to say we've stepped out of noir for a while, which we have really. This is much more a science fiction film than noir, but it's certainly got a lot of the noir aesthetic to it. Yeah, yes and no. We'll come back to that. Yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. There, the aesthetic is certainly something we probably want to talk about with Dark City. Well, b- before uh, we give our usual spoiler warning, I should just say uh, there are two versions of this film readily available: the original director's cut. Yes. The original starts with the narration. Do not listen to that narration. Now, you gave me this tip, and I'm extremely grateful for it. Actually, I <laughs> I watched the director's cut, so there was no narration. But when afterwards I read what the narration was, I was, what? Why <laughs> Why would you give that away? Um, <laughs> uh, well, basically, you give away the whole f- plot of the first half to three quarters of the film in the narration. Yeah. Um, I think you can fill me in more, but I, I think so. The uh, the the potted summary is: we have a um, a standard amnesiac wakes up in a bath uh, with no memory of what has happened. Um, but but there a is a dead hooker in the room, so you know you've you've got at least a vague idea. Exactly, it gives you a clue. And a goldfish. Um, it turns out uh, hilarity ensues as he sp- starts to realise there is more to this dark city in which he is awakened than meets the eye, and he seems to be the only one that can work it out, except that everyone he meets starts to have doubts too. He seems to have some sort of reality-bending power himself. Um, long story short, it turns out they are all yeah, we've had the spoiler massive spoilers now, right? ahead. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. I'd watch the film before you listen to the podcast. Um, they are all basically victimed, victims of alien abduction on board space station or a spaceship um with the mysterious um Richard O'Brien alike strangers um who are probing humanity to find something akin to a soul which they seem to lack yeah and hmm. which the a... opening narration tells you yeah <laughs> given, given that the first yeah half to two thirds of it is basically th- there is something weird about this city and it is getting increasingly weirder. Yeah. I do, I do feel that telling the audience up front, this is what the weird thing is, is uh, going to detract from, ex- from enjoyment of the film. The, this I, was I mean, a case of the distributor, uh, well, production company, I think, saying, yeah, people aren't going to get this, therefore you must, or we will, add the thing. 
And I mean, it's, it's we, one of the we most... know that when an audience doesn't get films, they, they, they dislike them. One can see why they thought that, but I think it was ham-handed at best. It's not, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it strikes me as a kinship flashing up. It's his sled at the To me, the, the joy of this film was the mystery. And I kind of knew it was that kind of Philip K. Dickian, uh, uh something is amiss with reality. Um, but I enjoyed, I enjoyed unpicking that. And, and maybe if I'd known all that beforehand, I might have spotted many more plot holes than I did, because I'm sure there are quite a few. But it, uh, with a mystery like this, you don't mind, because you're just sort of taken along with it. I think the film works best when you're in the position of um, our amnesiac protagonist, Rufus mm. Sewell's character, John uh, Murdoch. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think you, the, the film is... It, may, it seems to have been written to really come from his point of view and and to be confused as to why everyone in the city is not uh, is not uh, okay I'm gonna the, the first 10 minutes of the film <laughs> I, di- I did not like this film at all I must say I, I the the opening seems very cliched you know we got amnesiac dead hooker I mean it's it's not it's not the most original opening to a film aesthetically it's brilliant but the mm. acting one of the first characters we meet, who I, and I believe who would have done the narration, is Kiefer Sutherland's character, the Doctor. Doctor and he has Sarah, this, yeah. he has this very strange um, cadence to his voice, which did not work for me at all mm. in the opening. It grew on me. In fact, pretty much everything about this film grew on me. But it, the opening, I felt it's going to be one of those surreal films where nothing's really explained, and the characters are all kind of cold not recognisably human from my perspective and not really uh, not really having the same emotions and Kiefer Sutherland's character did not reassure me on that point because he is a very odd character um, and I don't know, it feels t- uh, well we could talk about the acting but I, I felt very filmically odd rather hmm. than genuinely odd As opposed, I suppose my distinction would be there is something really off about Dan Aykroyd's character in Gross Point Blank but it is not, it's subtle, you know, you just get it from his body language, from the mm. way he talks. Mm. And tra- Whereas here, Kiefer Sutherland is like, I am an odd, eccentric character, and I will talk in a weird whisper. Yeah, it's interesting, because a, a lot of contemporary comment was, was praised for him, but particularly this time through, the guy, the actor who really impressed me was William Hurt as the yes, inspector. Yes, I was going to, yes, absolutely agree, yes. Uh, and that, that, is, that is, to me, the, the, the starring part in the film, Except he is, that he's, he's not not there by the end of it. Yeah, no, he doesn't make it to the end of it. But, but, he, but you you could see the film in which he was the protagonist. Yes, and I, it made me wonder. In fact, I can't remember if I read this that it was sort of written from the police investigation point of view originally. Um, maybe that showed up on the director's commentary, which I didn't listen to, but I read a summary of. Um, mm. And I, William Hurt, I think saved the film for me because he is um, cards on the table. <laughs> someone very seriously facing the camera and saying bumstead <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um, i just um um took me out of the film a bit. but he ha he's kind of recognizably human uh, and a more a more standard acting style and um i i agree is is kind of the 
heart of the film to me in a way that I suppose Rufus Sewell is supposed to be. The, the, well, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll come back to this because I think it gets at the point the film is trying to make. But mm. at a superficial level, at least, here is a guy who has woken up with no memories. Yes. So he doesn't know who he is. I mean, he's got he's got some vague idea of what is a good thing to do and what is a bad thing to do. But yes. he doesn't Jim and save a goldfish. He doesn't really uh, have a personality doesn't. beyond that because he doesn't have the memories to make that personality. Um, he's not quite an everyman so much as an empty an empty <laughs> glass, really, isn't he? It's, um... I, I, I believe, this, as you say, the story was originally written um, focused on the detective. I don't, I don't think that made it. Um, I think it was during the script writing that it got shifted. And I think it, it works well to to be Rufus's character, um, John John Murdoch, um, but it uh, he's not. Well, I, this is touching because I feel like I'm opening with a lot of my problems with Dark City because you know I, I didn't like the first. Well, 10 yeah, minutes. but the first ten minutes are are giving you problems. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, because of the acting, the aesthetics are uh, fascinating. I'm perhaps less moved by aesthetics than I am by character and story, though. So uh, um, I was less. We can. We definitely need to talk about the aesthetics. But I, I, so I watched the first ten minutes um, one night when I was very tired, and I, I was slightly <laughs> reluctant to go back to it. And then I watched the next. Like I think I watched the whole rest of the film in the next sitting because I just really enjoyed it from there. Well, once it picks um, you up, it keeps going. Yeah. Yeah. Once once the mystery is expressed, really, and and I did like to. What I like to see. Um, well, we talked about some of the acting already. I mean, Kiefer Sutherland, um, I, he's fine. I mean, he's a very good actor. I, his performance felt, and it grew on me. It definitely grew on me, but it felt a bit self-consciously weird rather than genuinely weird. Yeah, he, he, to me, it only really makes sense once you realise what his background is. And, you know, yeah, he, he has been damaged in certain specific ways. And again, I read that they there was a rumor going around that they actually meant to get Donald Sutherland and got the wrong one because he was <laughs> supposed to be a much older character. And, and I suppose that would make sense because he's actually he's young enough that it it is a bit of a plot hole that you're like, has he been with them from the start? How long has this whole thing been going on? And and how have we had a chance for an evolution of a character? He, he did feel mm. a bit young for it. Um, not that I mean he, he is I. I he seems like a stereotypical villain, kind of Gestapo type character, and then becomes more interesting. And I think all the characters do that. Um, well, he, he with... starts off as that mix of villain and hero. I mean, he's obviously yes. well, he's obviously helping John as well as. So you, you don't know at you the point where he ha- exactly. hands over the syringe. Is this actually going to be a good thing or well, not? Well, that's a, it's a, it's a nice thing that because you don't trust him. In the same way that um, John Murdoch doesn't trust him, you don't know quite what to do with that script, but it's it's nicely played. I, uh, well, and I, I, similarly, so moving on acting wise, we talked about William Hurt, and I agree he's 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 kind of the most normal character in it and the most human. Mm. I don't know if his acting is outstanding, but it, it feels like frankly a better acting or a, a warmer acting job than anyone else around him. Does yeah, that make sense? and it it is unfortunate that that the other normal human among among these four principles is uh, Emma Murdoch, uh, yes, John, John's wife. But you know, 
this took this me is ages whether to work out she was from Labyrinth. Don't know why. I'm normally very good at spotting faces. <laughs> she she often so seems confused. to have never quite got the plum rolls, but she got the weird side rolls instead. She's um, had a very long and distinguished acting career. Yeah. I mean, she's, uh, uh, but yeah, but so. you know, as as far as the character is concerned, she's working as a nightclub singer. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is the noir job that women can have without being prostitutes. <laughs> she, I, I, I was thinking, you know, all the characters grow and become more interesting, with the exception of um, Emma. I, I, she has a hard thing to do, and and in many ways, she's really just there as the object of. In fact, the treatment of women in this film is a bit weird because, yes, she has that job, and she's really there as the object of. Well, she's a prize, again, as we've talked about before, and she's the object of, of not quite lust, but she's, she's loved no matter what her personality is, which may, (laughs) (laughs) which is, I don't know, that's slightly weird. And then the other characters in this film, the other female characters are prostitutes who are often murdered. Yeah, and very few of them get any lines. Yeah, so, um, again, I, I'm feeling like being down on it. I, I, I feel, well, we'll get some of the negatives out of the way because, uh, because that's what, what my first sort of experience of the film was. Mm. But yeah, I, Jennifer Connelly, um, she is absolutely gorgeous in this film, but I feel like that's what she's there for. And that doesn't, mm. never really sits. Also, The Night Has a Thousand Eyes is meant to be a lot more upbeat than that. You, you, <laughs> I mean, you, obviously you can do it that slowly, but that ain't what it's for, man. <laughs> I, yeah, it didn't. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that scene didn't work for me. We've seen it. I mean, we've seen it in a lot of different films, actually. Most the one that springs to mind most recently is um, Strange Days. We had again our music video interlude. Mm. I, I'm never really sure what the point of those interludes is. Um, we make well, at least she could do her own, her own singing. I, I believe in the director's cut, uh, Jennifer Connelly got to dub her own singing, being as she was not at the time this was made a competent singer. Right. Okay, all right. <laughs> I didn't well. I watched the director's cut. It, it's it's it is a song, <laughs> um, and then I suppose uh, well we have um, Rufus Sewell himself, who we haven't talked about so much. But yeah, he is an empty. Gla- uh, I again, it doesn't feel like a stellar acting performance to me. I, do, I, don't, I don't think the role gives him a lot of room for a stellar acting no, performance. No, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, he's scared. He's confused. He's trying to work out what's going on. He did win yeah. me over when, um, at the time when I, the film really did start to win me over is when he is practicing his name. He knows he's called Jay something, mm. Jay Murdoch, and he's just shouting out, kind of laughing to himself. And then I, there was enough humanity there and a little bit of humor, which this film is quite light on, apart from Bumstead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that, I don't know, I find Richard O'Brien, um, inherently, um, well, not quite funny, but, uh, well, the strangers seem to be based on riffraff from rock horror. They, they rock are. Horror. Oh my god, really? Um, basically, Alex Proyas got the idea for this when he was making The Crow. Right. And indeed, it, it would have been Brandon Lee, um, starring was, was the original Bran. Oh, interesting. Instead, in the John Murdoch role. Yeah. And one of the initial ideas was he had seen Richard O'Brien in the Rocky Horror show. And thought, yeah, I, I I want to base people on that. I yeah, I I think that it wasn't a problem because I'm not saying the strangers didn't work for me. They are creepy as heck, and 
and, and alien, and I like their kind of cadence and their yes, and oh, they're all the way. Uh, it felt a bit stagey in a way, and forced, mm. but it worked for me. It's definitely creepy, but I couldn't shake the feeling that I was watching some kind of Rocky Horror show <laughs> <laughs> at moments. Um, so I, that was some unintentional humour to me. But I, but yeah, speaking of that, Richard O'Brien, I'm not sure I've seen him acting in very much anything else, which is why I found it hard. In, for me, my main experience of Richard O'Brien is The Crystal Maze. Mm. Um, and I, I found him hard to take seriously as an actor. Not that there's anything wrong with his acting performance here, I don't think, or I didn't think so. Yeah, I mean, he, he has a, he hadn't done a lot of, um, film acting at this point. Um, I mean, just, just looking at it, he, he's, uh, he's in Flash Gordon in a very small role. Uh, oh yes, yes. He's in Robin of Sherwood TV series in the mid 80s in a very small role. I don't remember that, but I'm sure it would just come flooding back if I watched it. Um, nothing is forgotten. Nothing I mean, look. He's in the 2000 Dungeons and Dragons film, which I think it's safe to say we, we will not be uh, covering on as a, as, a, as a masterpiece. Haven't seen it, funnily enough. Or may, uh, maybe if we do a sister podcast, we might be covering it. <laughs> but I doubt it. Um, there, there are bad films one can enjoy, such as Plan 9 from Outer Space, and, the, and then there yeah. are bad films which just had, they just sit there like, like, yeah. like a dead fish. You know, there, yeah. there is no virtue in it. It smells, and you don't like it in your room. But, but talking, um, talking of, um, I, th- I think we may occasionally have mentioned the um, script writing advice book, Save the Dog. Yes, and here it is, Save the Goldfish, and it, and it is even lampshade. You know, Bumstead <laughs> oh says, "What sort of murderer stops to save a goldfish?" That is in my example of Asimov-style clunky lines that are solid science mm. fiction with writing that is just a bit like. You know, a line like, what kind of a killer stops to save a dying fish? It just does. I don't think the Coen brothers would have written that line. Or if they had, it would have been the context would have been. The, the writing felt a bit clunky to me. Mm. Um, uh, sometimes unintentionally. So I was looking through some of the, the quotes. Um, yeah, just all of these examples. You're probably wondering why I keep appearing in your memories, John. It is because I have inserted myself into them. It just, uh, it's a bit on the nose or not. It just doesn't quite work. For, for a me. film which up to that point has been expecting the audience to, you know, make some intuitive leaps and uh, work things out. Yes. I, I feel, well, yeah, you know, when we were talking about the dead and the closing scene there, which is narrated yeah. rather than shown. And because this, yeah. this is a film you're meant to show stuff. And I don't, I think I could have, I think I, I don't, I'll never know now because I, I had it explained to me, but I think I probably could have worked it out. It wasn't, it wasn't that side. I mean, I, or for said, example, you know, t- take the sequence that starts off as his original memory and then replace the cop, the teacher, whoever with it's me and I'm telling you the specific how to do stuff. To, to do this thing. Yeah. It's, it does make, yeah, it does. Make, I, I mean, I gave it a pass because by that point I was thoroughly on board with this mm. film and thoroughly enjoying it. Um, because other failings aside, it, it feels like, uh, pretty solid 
SF, at least filmic SF, which mm. I think we hold probably to a different standard to literary <laughs> SF. Is, is that yeah. fair to say? Um, well, it, the, although it is not the conventional term for it, the, this is very much a psychological story. Um, specifically, paranoia. Yeah, um, I mean, it felt very... I'm, very a background here, I'm, I'm a failed medic, so I, I did a bit of basic <laughs> psychology. Yes. And one of, one of the examples we were given was you know, a, a normal person goes to the kitchen and, and sees that the salt box isn't where they remember it being and thinks, oh well, I must have moved it. It obviously wasn't important. A paranoid yes. person thinks they have moved it. Yes. And this is that writ huge. Who told you to say that about me, Roger? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. And it's, it's, well, I, it's one of the reasons I like the Terminator as well is that, you know, that when they say, look, this is par- paranoid schizophrenia, this is how you explain it. It's, it's a really nicely explained. And, and you could do the same here, even though we as the viewer have already seen enough to know. I, I mean, there are some films that play with that, you know, that they show mm. you things and then you have an unreliable narrator. That's not the case here. I mean, it is a science But yes, it is a, uh, a psychological thriller, at least, uh, for a while. Yeah, I agree. Um, but the science fiction is, is at the forefront. And, and to me, uh, certainly by the second half of the film, it's a full one science fiction film. Mm. Um, and uh, Philip K. Dick is one of my favorite, Science fiction writers, uh, as a, as, as in his novels, very good. I, I, I'm not sure Blade Runner has much to do with Philip K. Dick. <laughs> but, um, but you know, his themes are all that kind of, you can't trust reality and you can't trust your own senses. Yeah. And I, I, I love that kind of, I, I, for someone who doesn't like surreal, surreality, surreal, surrealism <laughs> in his films and someone who doesn't like, for instance, H.P. Lovecraft's H.P. Lovecraft, um, H.P. Lovecraft's, um, Dreamlands at all. I do enjoy toying with the boundaries of reality, but I generally prefer it when the explanation behind that is not our character, um, has mental health problems. Yeah, I, 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 I like the surrealism it. to make sense, which is yes, arguably absolutely. not what it should be doing, but in the context of a film. Yeah, otherwise, you're otherwise right, you're yes. just showing me pretty pictures for two hours. Yes, exactly. I, I could not agree more. And I do feel like it's very easy to read so much into true surrealism that it, it just becomes meaningless to me. Um, now, if, so if yes, one goes a little deeper on this, though, I mean, if your all your memories are faked, then yes. do you in any meaningful sense actually exist? What What is left that isn't your memories? And I think the film is trying to argue that the thing that is there... The thing, yeah, the thing that makes him pick up the goldfish is the soul, and I think it's because it's trying to, you know, he has been programmed to be a killer, but there's something within him that, even with that programming and those memories, will not do it. Um, and I, I'm not sure. I mean, honestly, mm. well, I, he, he doesn't not... have the full, he doesn't have the full killer memory set. He doesn't have the full program, but I suppose it's similar. Um, the end of the film with Emma or not Emma. Yeah, um, my feeling is that it, this is supposed to be a happy ending, clearly. But someone yeah. who looks exactly the person you've just spent a, a few days falling in love with, but who shares none of the memories you made together, would be a really hard thing to live with. <laughs> I think so. I think that's a different person. Yeah. But I also, you know, 
big relationship questions. When are you going to tell her you're God? <laughs> Give it a minute. I mean, maybe, maybe not on the first date. Um, no, second date. That's second date stuff. My in my experience. Um, I. Um, I I don't agree with that premise. I I do think, well, I'm I'm not a dualist, so I, you know I believe there isn't much more to us than what's in our head. Uh, or I I, I think that if you rewrote my memories, I would not be me in any meaningful sense. But, yes, yeah. I absolutely agree. I, that that's yeah, we are basically the sum of all those things, and uh, that that is what I believe. But if that's the film's background yeah. and it and it's true to that i'm happy to go with it in the uh, same and i way think it if, is yeah yeah I, I think it is and, and i suppose you know in a similar way to if a film has ghosts in it i'll go along with it so long as it's internally consistent i'm happy it's when it starts contradicting itself that i struggle with that so mm. even though i don't i i'm with you i don't really agree with the premise if that's what the film is if that's how the film works for the science fiction, I'll, I'll go with it. Yeah, um, Bertrand Russell called it, I think, last Thursdayism, the idea that the world could have been created last Thursday with all the memories and you know, fossil records and everything else. Yes, it's certainly possible. And you have no way of... T- I mean, it, like solipsism, it's, it's not an argument that goes anywhere, but it's... it's a, yeah. <laughs> It's an interesting thought experiment, I suppose, it, it, even then... Even though, yes, it doesn't really help anyone to do anything, <laughs> but it's 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 uh, it's interesting to think about. Now, one one thing that did strike me, though, um, I mean, obviously the atmosphere is noir. Yes, but the serial killer isn't really a noir trope. You you don't have the the cop chasing down the guy who's murdering women. Usually, I mean, obviously there are always exceptions, but it, it's much more. You know, he's going after criminals. <laughs> well, noir is not not often a police procedural, mm. really, um, or not in my experience. I mean, I'm trying to think of an exit. I suppose Fargo, which is neo noir, but even then, you know, the procedural bit is is, uh, is limited <laughs> um, and not the main plot point. I, um, I think it's a bit of collision of genre, really. I mean, the the yeah. uh, the serial killer film is a separate sort of thing from the noir film. I feel like the aesthetic is noir. The plot yeah. is is really not. Um, I mean, the aesthetic. We should talk about this. I mean, it is a visually, I, I think, stunning film. Mm. I mean, it's you know, it's got elements of German expressionism um, uh, and what a, a lot of noir. And there's um, uh, there's uh, uh, not postmodernism. Um, what is the uh, the 1920s style of um, Art Nouveau, mm. um, Art Deco? I mean, show my lack of a classical education here. Um, but it, it, it's it's total mishmash of genre. You know, the cars are uh, well. I love the police cars. Are like sort of forties, fifties police cars mm. and the police uniforms. But they're meshing with, in some ways, twenties styles. In some ways, you know, even older, more Victorian. And it, that's definitely a conscious decision for all these. I mean. I think the idea behind that is these people have all been abducted from different time periods in well, Earth's you history. Could. I, 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 I think it's just more that yeah, it's being put together just just from a, a they, mash, they, mash of memories. They don't really care. I have, have, if you've ever yeah. played the role-playing game Diana Warrior Princess, highly recommended. Um, yes. 
the, the, the basic premise of this is that people in the far future are making a TV show based on the usual TV show standard of research. <laughs> okay. About yeah. our present day. Uh, right. The same sort of research that led to the, the name Ford Prefect being nicely inconspicuous. Yeah. And the, the, the Automat restaurant was basically. I love going, that. Yeah. It, they, they basically carried on till the seventies. So that doesn't really help you date it much, but you know, it's very big in the, in the thirties and forties. Was that an actual thing? I thought that was a filmic conceit. Oh yeah. Wow. I love that. I thought that was great that it was just, and the food was just so random. It was just like a sausage. Yeah. (laughs) I loved it. And again, that's like someone who's read what a restaurant is supposed to be. That's how I took it. I didn't realize that was a real thing. Someone's read what a restaurant is supposed to be or a cafe. Uh, in a book and thought, okay, here we go. That's what mm. you do. Um, I, th- I thought it was great. I loved that. The aesthetic uh, definitely worked for me. Yeah, and it looks gorgeous. It, okay, so you're going into a film called Dark City. You're not, it, it, it's, it's, you're not <laughs> going to be surprised if it's underlit. <laughs> uh, no, no, fair enough. I mean, it is set in a city and it's very dark. There is, <laughs> there is no arguing with the description of the film. I, I, I do think what one, one aesthetic collision for me is, is the whole idea of, you know, the, the, the midnight changes. Yeah. Everybody loses consciousness and they come out and change things. Yes. And I can't help thinking, well, why don't that couple drown in their soup? Yeah. In the 10 why minutes while this, Why don't they crash into the lake? Why don't all the people who would have, you know, there are a lot of things you could be doing where if you fall yeah, asleep driving for a car. several hours, that's not going to be, you're not going to be waking up from that for any very well. I, why I, why I do the trains the stop? Was, yeah, why does everything come to, I mean, I guess they have power over all of this, but I thought there was going to be a point that these people had drowned, um, yeah. that they'd been, because t- I just assumed, well, they're dead. Um, with, with modern effects, you could do it as an actual freeze, and I think that would actually be more effective. Yes, I, I agree with you, a, a sort of time hold, rather than, oh, we're falling asleep, yeah. Because there are a lot of things like the machines fall asleep and it doesn't make, you know, people would feel like a window cleaner. I don't know. There were a lot. Yeah, I absolutely agree. That was an issue. But again, I I sort of let it go Mm. on the basis that these beings have immense power. I don't know if they could bring the dead back to life. Is it? it? It's suggested that they don't, that, that they're using the same humans and rewriting them. Yeah, yeah. So... I guess if they run out of humans, they abduct another one. Maybe. Well, yeah, that that was never um, one of the early ideas was going to be uh, that these people had been uh, lifted off a off a um, generation ship or something of that sort. Oh, okay. Um, oh, that's interesting. But I don't think it's fair to say that that is the explanation in the film. I mean, it, it's not. It's not. Doesn't make it the final thing. So, I, well, it's not. Again, you can write your own story. But in my head, this was. An explanation for alien abductions over the years throughout history. But again, it, you're right, it's not explicit. It certainly so. could be. Uh, I, uh, I, I particularly liked the um, Underground Railway, um, in which they, you know, a, a few of the strangers cling onto rails and bars and things, and then they go along tracks and down yes. shafts and all that sort of thing. I mean, later we find out they can fly, so why bother? But it looks <laughs> lovely. It does look amazing. Um, I did like the, the, uh, the crazy detective who's seen through the cracks as well. With, mm, which with, with the classic Looney scrawl. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. You've got to have... I mean, you're not a proper loony unless you've got a wall covered in notes and question marks and spirals <laughs> and things. It's just that you've... Ideally with some newspaper clippings as well. Um, I did want to go back... I, I, I've sort of touched on it before as well, but, the, you know, you were talking about the, the serial killer thing. Um, it felt... I, I don't know. That felt like a... It felt like it didn't need to be killing of prostitutes, serial killer of prostitutes for that plot point. Mm. And if if it didn't need to be, why why use that trope? I don't know if I'm just tired of seeing women used in this way in films. But I, yeah. I just felt, uh, you know, that could have been anything really. He could have been a boxer or something, and he didn't have the, the skill to buy it. It didn't have to be. And the film's not really about serial killing ultimately, and I, I don't think it becomes a big part of the mystery. Hmm. So it's I, just I felt... he he hasn't got the imprint, so he wakes up in this situation. Yeah, and I felt like that one. I suppose it was supposed to be like a bait and switch, but I, I was I wasn't really fooled by thinking, oh, he is the we know he's not the killer, and I don't didn't really work for me um, in that sense. Well, I, I I think the the framing is trying to make it clear that he has no idea what is, what is going on, and our sympathy is supposed to be with him. Yes, which which I think it was really, yeah, exa- exactly as you say. That's how it works, and so you're never like, is he a serial killer? Maybe if the the film had pushed those boundaries a little bit, and um, I suppose similarly, the kind of evil Richard O'Brien. I wasn't quite sure he was already quite evil, wasn't he? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. It, it was interesting, but again, it didn't. I, well, I think it. I, I think it does link up a bit because the idea is that he he has got the. Um, complex of memories and personality that, that was supposed to go into, into John to make him a serial killer. Yeah. And he is doing it basic. Well, we're not quite sure why he's doing it because what does it help? I mean, we know that John doesn't have the imprint and therefore he isn't going to be following the pattern of the imprint. Yeah. It felt like, um, a slightly, yes, I agree. It, it didn't. I'm not sure it, I, I mean, I didn't object to it particularly, it just felt like a slightly weird plot point that didn't... A slightly easy really, option, yeah, let, let, yeah, let's work up the emotion, women are getting killed. Yeah, and you know, the, the one, the, the prostitute, the, the one, can't listen to me, this, the, what films are done to me, the prostitute is killed with, you know, and they find a daughter, I just, I don't know, as I get older I just don't need that kind of, I don't really need that kind of... Misery. <laughs> Unless it's really well done. I suppose I feel a bit like we did with, um, Mary Riley where it touched upon child abuse and it just didn't really have anything interesting to say about it and it didn't quite work it into the plot in a way that it felt it needed to. And if you're not going to do that, I'd rather not have it in the film. Yeah. I think, I, d- I don't know. Maybe that is just my taste of changing as I get older, but I felt that a little bit about the prostitute murder. Well, I, I do feel that it's there basically to push my buttons, and I get resentful about my buttons being pushed. Yeah, yeah, I, particularly those. Yes, yeah, I don't. Yes, I think that's a good way of putting it. Um, um, but the aesthetically, uh, yeah, I thought it was great. What about the special effects? Now, I saw the um, the director's cut. I gather the special effects were quite a notch up from the original film. Um, yeah. but he, even here I found the kind of the visual representation of the, uh, what's it, the, the psychokinetic power, I forget what it's called in the film. The, yeah, the, it's, oh, the, 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 the whole rip, ripply, um, spreading yeah. effects. Yeah, that, that was something that 
there, there was argument about that, apparently. Okay. Um, and, yeah, the, I can't remember what it was that Price originally wanted. It may have been nothing at all. Um, but, but again, the studio said, you've got to show them doing something. Right, yeah. And, so and it, it's, it's of... supposed to tie through to the spirals motif, but I'm not sure it ever does. Yeah, I, I didn't see the original. I gather it was improved in the version I saw. One special, but but yeah, it didn't. Uh, I I didn't quite need it particularly. I could see something was happening. One special effect I really appreciated, which I get, I gather they added in, um, a sort of a sop to the audience is when they break through the wall. I mean, if you're going to break through the hull of a spaceship with a pickaxe, then you really need to. <laughs> you really need to have a better spaceship. But um. Uh, when they, you know, they, William Hurt's character and the stranger fall out into space, um, they don't struggle until they go through the, the force fields. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated that special effect. Otherwise, why aren't they all just sucked out into space? I, yeah, that, I, that was another, that, another thing that wasn't in the original, um, shooting script. Yeah, that it, is a sort But of... it was felt that, yeah, what people are going to argue about this. We know how spaceships work now. Yeah, I think that would have bothered me if it wasn't there. So I really appreciated that little junk as they went through. It seems like very little, but it was, if it was a sock to someone like me, then it works. I, I liked it. Mm. I did. It's just a pity that, um, Inspector Bumstead gets casually killed off there rather than carrying on yeah. through, but yeah. I, I don't mind. I did feel, well, it moved me a bit. I was like, oh, uh, yeah. Um, mm. unfortunately I was left with characters I cared less about <laughs> at well, that yeah. point. Yeah, which is a problem. Um, but so just um, well, one last note on the sets. Uh, several sets, including the rooftop one, were, were sold to a little film called The Matrix. Well, I was going to talk about compare. This is this film has been, um, you know, I, I guess if I knew about it at all, it was like, oh, this was better than The Matrix, and nobody watched it. And I think that's a bit unfair. I mean, they both have the the same kind of your underlying reality is not what you think it is. But mm. otherwise, I, I think they're quite dissimilar, at least to me. Maybe I'm more familiar with this kind of uh, uh, science fiction, I would say trope, but theme, at least. They, they feel like they've got very different explanations under the skin, so I didn't think... Yeah, you know, I The mean... Matrix has a style all of its own. I don't think The Matrix ripped off the, 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 um, the aesthetics from this. I might no, be misremembering. Only in the very broad sense of there's old timey stuff, but yes, there isn't even that much old timey stuff in the Matrix. Yeah, I, I might, I, I might. Well, we may well watch the Matrix. Um, yeah, yeah, but but uh, probably not um, in our next two episodes, which which is where it would naturally fall. Uh, yes, no, probably will. Um, will. Uh, I, w- uh, one one thing I will say, wasn't it? The yeah. Matrix. One thing I would say about that uh, is that uh, obviously there's been a lot of science fiction based on. I'm, I, I discover that I'm in a virtual world. Yes. And the thing that a lot of them do, which, which when I saw the Matrix, I kept waiting for it to do and it never did, was, uh, causing confusion. You know, that, that at some point the protagonist should think he's in the outer world and then discover that he isn't really. Yes. Because yes, that's it's, right. it, yeah, it's such an obvious thing to do. And, I just kept waiting for the Matrix to do it, and it didn't. So, oh, well, there you go. So, well, that's good. It didn't. Didn't disappoint. Um, arguably, that, there should be something here too. Um, the the last minute doubt of holy crap, am I really mad after all? I think you would have been play... would have worked well here. I think. I think yeah, with this kind of film, you really can. I said 
there comes a point where you have to level with the audience, I think, and be like, yeah. all right, this is what's actually going on. For me to like a film, I mean, if you never do that, I'm probably not going to enjoy your film. I think there are <laughs> exceptions to that, but mm. there comes a point you have to be like, all right, cards on the table. And I feel like this film, Dark City, plays its cards relatively early, um, I think. Mm. Or, well, not relatively or, early. Or, but... or at least, we, I think it's pretty clear that something is going on which is not just John's John's madness. Yes, exactly. It, it makes it clear that the mystery is deeper than that. Um, and you can... I, I, like I do like the whole thing about Shell Beach, and that beautifully generic name, and how, yeah, yeah everybody yeah. knows where it is, but yeah, you can't quite remember how to get there. Yeah, I like that, and then he has his empty scrapbook, which then rapidly gets filled in, and it's kind of mm. a glitch. I, yeah, there are lots of nice... The science fiction here, I really, I'm, I'm, frankly, that's what I loved about this film. And I really do. I mean, it's not, I suppose, as science fiction goes, it's not the most original plot, but, you know, execution is everything, because there are no original plots, ultimately. And uh, I thought it was really well executed, the way it's explained. It's, I, I would have had a very different feeling about the film if that was explained to me in the opening minute of the yeah. film. Uh, yeah, I, I much enjoyed, I much preferred discovering, or at least thinking I was discovering it for myself. Mm. Because it's, it's not even that, for me at least, I, I don't know what a non-SF literate audience member goes at, but I think the intelligence of audience members is often a bit underestimated by Hollywood. I don't... Yeah. Well, I, I think part of the problem is that, um, from a film point of view, because things need, because films just take huge amounts of money, mm. um, there is always this feeling that we want to appeal to the widest audience possible. You get some of the same yeah. with television production, though not as much these days. Uh, yeah. and so you, you can say, you know, the smart guy will enjoy a stupid film, but the stupid guy will not enjoy a smart film. So, <laughs> right, yes. so to get those extra bums in seats, we will make it uh, enjoyable by stupider people. Yeah, except, I, yeah, the problem here would be, I don't think that would have made it any more enjoyable to the or, to the kind of audience that wouldn't have liked this film anyway. Well, I, I, I think, think the problem is it's, it's a bit half-hearted, because we don't really get the... the we, we get the film that needs at least a bit of thinking about it to appreciate it, and then we get the narration, and I don't think those two would combine well. Yes, I think that's a fair point. Um, yeah, that is a, a good point. Um, what else do I want well, to say about Dark There's City? a th thing I, n I noticed, um, okay. or, or rather I didn't notice. Um, there are people who are more dedicated than me who, who measure the number of shots in a film and div divide that by the running into the running time to get the average shot length. Right. And I found three different numbers, but they, they're all basically agreed that it is about two-ish seconds. Okay. Which right. which is down there with Armageddon. In, in terms of just like how it. quickly it cuts. And yeah, I, I that's just my point. It doesn't feel as if as if that's happening. That no. you go from one one shot to another, but you can still work out how they relate to each other. You know, you're in the same place, you're looking at the same guy, whatever. Well that I think there is a that's that shows some real I think that's greatly underappreciated artistry because Frankly, someone like um, Christopher Nolan is not, in my opinion, is not good at that because his cuts are confusing and in his action sequences, I have zero idea what's happening in most of them. Um, in yeah. any of the Batman films, in any of the, in any of his uh, 
films, frankly, in um, inter, inter, intersusception. <laughs> That's not right. What's the... Inception? What's, thank you, not intersusception. That would have been a much better film. Um, uh, sorry, Inception. Oh, but, I, you I, know, I, I saw Armageddon, which yeah. came out about, about the same time as this. It's got much better special effects. Uh, it's a lot longer, and that, that may have contributed, but at the end of that, I felt bludgeoned with the cuts, and at this, I really didn't, so... No, well, the fact that I didn't notice it, um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, well, they are skillful cuts then, and, and probably necessary in that, because it's not, to me, I would have said there are a lot of long, sort of lingering shots in this film, but okay, that's interesting. Um, cause I, I, I mean, it doesn't have, uh, loving views of the city in quite the same way that Blade Runner does, probably. Mm. Well, you, you, is... you rarely get up in the sky. Yes. And so it doesn't have that kind of macro level of, wow, this is amazing to me. And I, again, I'll be frank, I watch most of these films on my phone nowadays. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the visual so system... Every time you help. say that, a director loses his wings. <laughs> I know. But you know what? It's, you hold it close enough to your face, it's going to be bigger than I'd be seeing in a cinema. <laughs> That's all I'm going to tell you. Um, but... Uh, it's still visually spectacular. That's interesting about the cuts, yeah. Uh, well, that was very well done then. Um, mm. much appreciated. Um, the other, th- the only other, I suppose the only other point I had about Dark City when I, I was really, I, so didn't like the first ten minutes, got into it, um, I felt it was very classic science fiction to me in the sense that I enjoyed it because of the concept probably more than the characters. Uh, which is often mm. my feeling with Asimov or, um, uh, uh, Hein, well, not so much Heinland, but certainly, uh, Arthur C. Clarke. All those giants of science fiction. I, I, I find the characters cold and sterile. Not quite so much here, but it's, it's similar. Um, well, many of the characters aren't who they think they are anyway, so. Yeah. Philip K. Dick doesn't do that, actually. He has a very interesting character who are, uh, very confused about reality and, and believably so. I think, I don't mind a film being surreal so long as the character that it's happening to responds in a way that I would, in like, what <laughs> is going on? Which is why this Or at least you, you, you think that a person you know might do that. Exactly, yeah. Which is why the film won me over with John trying out all the versions of his name and, and being confused. Yeah, do, do um, any of these feel familiar, yeah. Yeah, I liked it. It, it humanised him. Um, the, the ending, or not quite the ending, but the climactic fight with Mr. Book, I found a bit underwhelming. They were basically just kind of looking at each other intently for a, for some minutes while the city collapsed around them. I just, I, I liked it right. I liked the kind of betrayal of Keith the Sutherland's doctor when he, when he uses the wrong syringe and that had been planted earlier. We had a bit mm. of a Chekhov's syringe situation. <laughs> Yeah, the why, the, why they have those butterfly wings on them, we, we don't know, but they look pretty. I it was, <laughs> that felt very, um, Gilliam-esque. Can I say that? Like Brazil. Mm. It yeah, felt I think really that's fair. that kind of touch. Um, but the, the thing is, as a, uh, I don't know what one would call it, a, a, the philosophy of the drama, perhaps. Um, mm. he, he prevails. Yeah. Because he is stronger, because he's yeah. just been given the extra strength. Whereas I think a more conventional structure would say he prevails because something about his soul, which is yeah, the, the point we've like, been building up to. I think that's it. It just felt like a slugfest at the end, a mental slugfest, when I was expecting a bit more of 
this is why humans are stronger than you. Mm. Um, this is why humans have more to... I, and again, I don't necessarily agree with that, but in the context of the film, that's what I was expecting. Yeah, you've nailed it as to, as to why it underwhelmed me a bit. Um, and also the ending, I would have liked a bit... It was, it, as you say, it's a happy ending. And I, I'm happy with that. I, I don't mind a happy ending. Sometimes I feel like I deserve one after a, a dark <laughs> film. Um, but it would have been nice to have some seeds of doubt that now... I am God, you know, I can literally make the sun appear in the sky. Um, it's something about that, but maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm trying to make it into a different film. What, what, I, what is it they say about absolute power, yeah? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe something about that. Um, but overall, yeah, I, I had my doubts, but thoroughly enjoyed this film, actually. Hmm. I, I would watch it again because I think it's... Um, uh, aesthetically stunning and I, I'd want to see things that I missed the first time and if I'm feeling that about a film then I probably did enjoy it yeah yeah, yeah it, it's it's never quite comfortable I'm not sure it's supposed to be uh, mm. I, I I would certainly argue that there are, there are decisions that could have been made differently and better but uh, particularly when it comes to the soundtrack <laughs> Oh, did you not? I didn't intrude well, him on the, the, on the, the songs were okay but, but there were several bits of the score that just leapt out at me and said yeah, Blatt, I want your attention now. This is why you should watch everything with a tinny speaker. <laughs> <laughs> this is by uh, Trevor Jones, who's a reasonably experienced right. uh, composer. I mean, he he did the score for uh, Excalibur, for example. Oh, I love the score for Excalibur. Yeah. I think I might have bought that. Uh, and The Dark Crystal. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember much about The Dark Crystal. I think I only saw it once, but I, well, I should watch it again. And Labyrinth, of course. Yes, so, I was very confused, Jennifer Connolly. I think Jennifer Connolly acts better in Labyrinth than she does here, frankly. Not through no fault of her own, just got a bit of a... Well, as, as we already said, it, it's not a part you can do an awful lot with. No, no, same with Rufus Still, I, I don't feel like I know much about his acting ability from this. He certainly acts like a confused man with no memory, but <laughs> I don't know. Whenever he wasn't quite clear, I kept seeing him as Paul Reiser, which was a bit distracting, but <laughs> I think he could have done that, actually. He could have done, yeah. yeah. That would have been interesting. <laughs> but there we are. But, yeah. All right. Well, I, I'm just checking my notes to see if I have anything else. Yeah, we covered all of my notes. I, I think... I I would say yes that I, this is for me a masterpiece. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I I I mean I think um, it's not all about enjoyment. <laughs> what do I mean by that? <laughs> I I I didn't I didn't let gross point blank through my masterpiece level, but I really really enjoyed it. And here, I probably enjoyed this slightly less, but I I have to admire its um, reach mm. and its visual splendor and. And, you know, just doing a proper science fiction story. I just, I just, I'm always going to be on board with that. I, I agree. I think it is a masterpiece. I don't, I haven't seen anything quite like it. Though I've seen a lot of things a bit like it, but it just jams them together in an interesting way. Um, hmm. And well, uh, was it influential? I, I, probably. It, I, it's I think hard to tell given that The Matrix came out the next year. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think this, I don't think The Matrix ripped this off. Personally, I, I think it it may well have had had an influence on it. Um, a, apart from having some of the same stats, and that there are re related things, and, and the whole um, everything you know is wrong 
angle. Yes. But some ideas just seem to... And again, I don't know quite how Hollywood works enough to know. You know, if you get three films about giant rocks smashing into the earth in a year, is that does that or, mean they all... Or two Robin Hoods or three underwater action films in the same year. Exactly. Does that just mean there is an idea in the air or is that someone hocking scripts around to studios and they get... I don't know. But it does seem to happen and it felt yeah. more like that sort of thing rather well, than... I, I think part of that may, may be the uh, preemptive focus grouping, you know, with... This particular plot element scores high, and so does that one, and so somebody's saying, well, we want to film with this and that in it. Yeah, yeah, that probably makes sense. And I I think there's enough delay between this and The Matrix that there is at least the possibility that people making The Matrix might well have seen it. And, you know, there is influence without theft, or arguably everything is theft. I don't don't think Proyas would would, would, um, say, those guys stole my idea, and to be fair to him, he didn't. No, no, it's just other people have suggested it, and I feel that's a bit... I think, yes, exactly, it's the difference between influence and plagiarism, and I I feel if it had an influence, well, that was one of our definitions of a masterpiece. If it's been ripped off, that's that's different. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I I suspect it's a bit more of a... It's certainly a lesser seen film, but I think the people who have seen it probably do feel it's a masterpiece in that there's nothing quite like it. And I agree. Yeah, like, my my history of this, I, I didn't hear about it at the time, and then it seemed, you know, a few years later, everybody was raving about it, and then a few years after that, I actually got to see it. So, yeah, I can't quite. Uh, hear my, 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 my my experience of everybody is not a random sample. So. <laughs> In my head, before we watched it this time, I, it was. Uh, frankly, um, a, a a foreign language surreal film. Uh, about science, a science fiction film. So I just, I just thought it was probably, possibly French or German, which I'm not, I don't object to. Um, <laughs> I've just watched all three series of Dark, so you know, I can't object to German. But I, I just felt that sometimes the European kind of surrealism is really not to my taste. Um, and I thought it would be that sort of film. Uh, and even when it started, I was surprised to see, actually, these are American and English actors. I'm sure this was a foreign language film. Um, but uh, it had that kind of stilted diction that still really put me off it at first. I, I um, think it's very rare for something to start off as surreal and then come up with, uh, by the end, yes, this is why it was like that. Yes. I don't want I every think, film to be like that, but I do, my word, admire it when it does happen. Yes, I think that is a... Yes, absolutely. I think that's why it's a masterpiece to me. It's a satisfactory explanation for the confusion, rather than just, yeah, I'm just going to show you images for two hours, as you said before. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I agree. Very much appreciated. Um, and thank you. I'm going to name check Robert Wolf um, for suggesting the film, um, to me at least. I think you had it in mind already, but it certainly put it on my radar as one of the films. So, certainly when I was looking at 1998 films, this was one I thought about. Yeah, I don't, I, I might have done. But anyway, thank you, Robert. Um, I, I did very much enjoy Dark City with some slight reservations, but fewer than a, fewer than a lot of films. Right well, then, on, then. Onwards to the last year of the pre-millennium, depending on how pedantic we're going to be <laughs> as, as to when the millennium. Really? How long be. have you known me? <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Let's not say that in that case. All right. Well. It only remains for me to shut it down, shut it down forever! Though we probably will be back next week. 
sleep now. 